Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the question, Were the Ten Commandments abolished at the cross? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland, in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music.
were the Ten Commandments abolished at the cross? We will discuss this subject tonight with Elder Ray DiCardo. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder DiCardo and see if he's available. Hello, good evening. Elder Ricardo, you're live and voice in the wilderness internet radio. How are you this evening, Elder? I'm fine, thank you. Yourself, John? Yes, fine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome back on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. And tonight, we'll be discussing these questions together. Where are the Ten Commandments in the Bible? How long have they been in existence? Did Jesus come to change them? Which law was abolished at the cross? And why do we need to keep the Ten Commandments today? So, Elder Ricardo, before we start our discussion tonight, would you like to start off with a word of prayer, please? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come and we pray that you will please bless our time together. This is such a wonderful topic to discuss, especially in the light of today. We pray that you'll guide us, bless us, help us. And dear Lord, give us, I pray, a, st- a special blessing uh, of your Holy Spirit that we may understand the things that are written in your word. So bless our time together now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo, where are the Ten Commandments in the Bible? Well, there are two prominent places uh, that you find the the actual uh, Ten Commandments transcribed out for you. And that's Exodus. Right. The first one is Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. And then the other is Deuteronomy chapter 5, 6 to 21. Right. Now, uh, let me just, for, for the audience, just to share the difference between the two. Um, the Exodus account of the Ten Commandments, this is the description given while they um, are you know, obviously it, it fleeing the uh, Egyptian bondage, um, and they're coming out of that, uh, or in the process of coming out of slavery. Right. In the Deuteronomy account, um, they are well nigh out of the Egyptian bondage. This is after their deliverance from Egypt. Right. And, uh, and this is Moses is now going through and repeating many of the uh, lessons and history that they've gone through so, th- so that the people of God would not forget. And of course, this account in Deuteronomy 5 is a repetition uh, um, of the Exodus account in Exodus chapter 20. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting because, um, you know, that's the first time that I've heard it explained simply of those two accounts, really. And. Mm. Are there any other places in the Bible um, where, where we, we, we can find a um, description of the Ten Commandments? Well, you find references and maybe even uh, uh, certain particular commandments made yes. reference to. Um, for example, in Romans 13. Now, if we'll turn there real quick. Yes. In Romans chapter 13, um, just to give you an example, you'll find... 
um, a list of some of the commandments, not all, but some of the yes. commandments. Um, uh, look, verse um, verse 9, for example. If you look here with me right. there in Romans chapter 13, verse 9, it says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Uh, and then it says, If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Nice. Now that's very interesting, that last particular part of Romans chapter 13, verse 9, is a summation of the essence of the last six commandments, because yes. that's exactly what he quoted there in verse 9, is the, the the last six commandments, and they have to do as what Paul just indicated. It could be summed up, as he said, briefly comprehended or briefly summarized. Yes. Thou yes. shalt love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the last six commandments are social commandments. Um, they're commandments to deal with a social compact. You and I, and we in society, have agreed to live uh, together, uh, and uh, we've made a compact with each other based on the uh, the uh, last six commandments that we would not steal, kill, uh, um, commit you know adultery, or any other of the commandments that are. Um, uh, uh, relegated to, to the last six, um, and this this then keeps society functioning in a moral, ethical manner. Right. Not to say that there aren't those who are going to violate the commandments, that's obviously. However, though, if you want society to function in a moral, um, or at least to have a moral basis upon which it could function, then you need you need law, you need order. And that's the basis of the last six. And so you find places like Romans 13. Uh, for example, in Romans chapter 7, um, if you look there with me, this is another interesting one, uh, where he's quoting again uh, the, by, uh, the Ten Commandments, not all of them, again, it's just periodically you'll find certain ones. But look in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7, it's, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, it was, is, the, is God's Ten Commandments, it, is it bad? Is it evil? Is it corrupt? Is it, is it deranged? Is there something wrong with God's Ten Commandments? Paul says, no, God forbid. He says, not, I had not known sin. I would have not known about sin except for the law. For I would not have known a, 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 about lust except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Now, where did Paul get that commandment from? Where, where is he quoting? He's quoting out of Exodus. He's quoting the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. So throughout the Bible, you will find incidences where either a particular commandment is being referenced, uh, perhaps maybe Jesus is dealing with the issue of adultery, or maybe perhaps he's dealing with the issue of theft, or, or, or murder, or whatever. And you'll find Paul's, I just making reference here in the Book of Romans, and other places, by the way, that have to do with um, maybe um, extracting some some principle from the Ten Commandments, and there you'll find uh, quotations um, of the Ten Commandments. Yes. Well, thanks, Elder. Now, how long have they, the Ten Commandments, been in existence? Now, this is a very interesting one. Now, this I find, uh, I was... <laughs> 
going back over doing some more research um, on this, and um, it's fascinating when you go back and re read uh, a lot of the information that you've learned before, and you yes. kind of come across things you're so fascinated with. But if you go to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, let's look here at a few verses. Uh, we're going to look first at verse 89. Right. Verse 89. And by the way, Psalm 119 uh, is uh, dealing with God's law, His Ten Commandments. And you'll find it uh, peppered throughout this uh, 119th Psalm. Um, as a matter of fact, Psalm 119 uh, and yes. verse 172, uh, it says, All thy commandments are righteousness. So first off, we know that all, not some, not most, but all of the Ten Commandments are righteous in the eyes of God. Amen. So that's very, very clear. That's very clear. Uh, but, uh, so Psalm 119 is, is the Ten Commandments Psalm. But look with me here, verse 89. Yes. Psalm 119, verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now, what's interesting, and when you're looking at Psalm 119, you're going to see things, statements, or I should say words and, and phrases that are interchangeable. They're synonymous, yes. such as in this particular case, when he says, thy word, he's talking about clearly the Ten Commandments, because this is the subject matter that he's dealing with. And so the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And of course, that word in the Hebrew forever means eternal. And so if from eternity, past eternity to the future, it has always been. So right off, immediately you find in Psalm 119, 89, uh, in, in verse 89, you find uh, that it establishes the fact that the Word uh, of God, His law, is eternal in nature. As a matter of fact, you go to Psalm, uh, same, uh, Psalm, Psalm 119, you go to verse 151. He says, um, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are true. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. In other words, the foundation of the Ten Commandments were founded when? Forever, meaning from eternity. So when were they established? When, were they, when, when did God found them or, or establish them? And that was from eternity. Right. So already you find just in these few uh, verses, one, verse 160, he says the same thing again. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. Once again, it, it lasts forever. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't perish. It doesn't become diminished over time. God's Ten Commandments is from eternity past. And it, just for the sake of uh, adding uh, more reference to this, I'm just going to, uh, in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, if you take a careful look at those two chapters, in verse 18 of, of chapter 33, Moses asks God a question. to show me your glory. Now, God could not manifest the fullness of his glory in the presence of Moses because it would have simply killed Moses. And so God told Moses, I want yes. you to stand in the crevice of this rock. He says, I want you to turn your back to it. And God did three things 
First, he spoke out the attributes of his character. The second thing is then God passed by Moses, and in a, in a shadow, in a form of a shadow, Moses could see the actual form of God. And then the third thing God did in Exodus 34 is he rewrote the Ten Commandments on two tables of stone. Because remember, prior to this, they had broken the Ten Commandments. Moses uh, shattered the Ten Commandments because of the idolatry. But so you have Moses write, or excuse me, God rewriting the Ten Commandments. And so what do you have? In the essence of this story, you have that God's glory, his character, is manifested in the Ten Commandments. So God is eternal. If the Ten Commandments are a transcript of God's character, then God then God's commandments are eternal. Yes. So there's no way in which you can diminish or do away with God's commandments without doing away with God. Yes, Elder. And now this moves us nicely on to the next point, the next question, which something which many people believe. Did Jesus come to change them? Well, you know, you you know, John, you bring up a very good question because this is a question that people are asking um, and has sadly led some astray regarding the nature of Christ's relationship to the law. Yes. Um, and what is it? You know, in, in, and if you look, for example, in Matthew chapter five, um, and verse uh, seventeen, um, this is where you find. Uh, Jesus uh, clearly illustrating, um, in, in no uncertain terms, his relationship to the law and why he came. He says, "Think not." Now, this, let me just say this for the for the listeners. This is I'm reading from the King James, but this is Old English, and it's the it's in, the way it's being expressed. He says, "Think not." We don't, of course, use that type of an expression today. We would say something, don't let it even enter your mind, don't even give it a thought. Um, That's how we would phrase that. So Jesus says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill, meaning to carry it out and illustrate and demonstrate. He says, for verily, or of a truth, I tell you this truth, he said, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one till shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. In other words, clearly it's indicated that Jesus has stated, don't even let it enter your mind, don't even give it a thought, don't even entertain the idea that I've come to to do away with the law of God or diminish it in any way. He said, I didn't come to do that. I actually came to illustrate, to fulfill, or to show you the meaning and purpose of the law. As a matter of fact, it's very interesting, John, that in this very chapter, we have the beginning of of the Beatitudes. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sermon on the Mount is the illustration of the very fundamental principles of the law of God. When Jesus goes through the Beatitudes, he's actually illustrating the very essence of the spirit of the law. And uh, so the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is something that I would recommend to everyone. If you want to understand the true meaning and purpose of the Ten Commandments, then you go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Yes, amen to that, um, Elder Ricardo, because, yes, the Bible 
this is why we've established this radio show so that the listeners can read and hear for themselves just what the word of god says you see mm. so we're directing them to the bible to what it teaches not to what their ministers may teach or their mother or their father or their brothers but what god says himself through his word so yeah it's, absolutely it's absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, John, yes, let me just say this in, 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 in closing on this one point. Yeah, sure. You know, the, there's, there's so many messianic prophecies that have a, obviously direct relation to the uh, work and function of the Messiah. And, of course, we know that the Holy Christ is Jesus. That oh, is unequivocal in the Holy Bible. However, what is very fascinating, in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 21, uh, it, there is a fascinating messianic prophecy about the Messiah in relation to the law of God. And I'm going to read it to you. It's out of Isaiah 42. Yes. And it's found in verse 21. And it says this, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake, meaning the Messiah. God is very pleased for the Messiah, for the Holy Christ. Yes. He will, meaning the Messiah, the Christ, he will magnify the law and make it honorable. In other words, that the role and function of the Messiah when he comes is not to destroy or diminish the law, but to honor the law, to uphold the law, to obey the law, to exalt the law, um, to, to put it in its proper place. Yes. And so here we have not only the words of Jesus himself, but Isaiah the prophet prophesying, long before the coming of the Messiah, um, and it clearly indicating what uh, the Holy Christ child's role would be regarding the law of God. Yes, amen to that. Thank you so much, Elder, for sharing this text with us, because I know that it's an important one, and it will help people mm. to see the harmony that there is in both the Old and New Testaments at this time. Absolutely. So, um, so now, Elder... Which law was abolished at the cross? Because the Bible does talk about a law being abolished, but which law is mm. the Bible talking about? And once again, you know, this is another very interesting um, um, position regarding the nature of the law of God and, and Christ, because again, we heard the words of Jesus, and we read the, the words of Isaiah the prophet regarding yes. the role of Christ in relation to the law. One thing is very clear, and if you do it by basis of process of elimination, we have the words of Jesus saying that I didn't come to destroy the law. And obviously the law that he's referring to is the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Yes. So clearly, just based on the word of the Lord alone thus far, we know that Christ didn't come to destroy the law of God. The question is, though, was there a law that was abolished at the cross? And if so, what law was that? Um, and, of course, we, the, what they're making reference to is, is found in Colossians chapter 2. And I think it's important that we read this, uh, because it needs to be understood clearly what Paul is saying here. He says here in verse—let's uh, start with verse 14. Right. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, let's just stop right there, first yes. of all, and let's uh, uh, evaluate what we have just read. Clearly, 
something was 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 blotted out. Something was nailed to the cross. Now, we if we look at the identify marks or characteristics, yes. we know that whatever it was, it was handwritten. That was clear. We know that they are ordinances. That is clear. We know that it was something that was against us. In other words, it's not something that is that benefits us. It was something that was against us. It is contrary to us. So it was something that was um, uh, only for a, a temporary moment where it would end up being something that would not function in, in the fullness um, uh, of its operation because it, it obviously would eventually be um, uh, something that would be against us. Right. If you go down in verse 17, he clarifies even further. He says, which, meaning these ordinances, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And so here's another identifying mark. Yes. They are a shadow. Now, everybody knows a shadow is something that's temporary. It's not permanent, uh, because eventually the sun sets. And so a shadow is something that's only temporary. And a shadow points forward, uh, meaning that whatever these ordinances were that were against us, that were contrary to us, that were nailed to the cross, they were temporary, and they were to point forward to, and as he says here, it's very fascinating, he says, but the body is of Christ, meaning, but the reality or the substance is of Christ, right. meaning these ordinances that were against us were a foreshadowing of the reality of Christ. And then when Christ came, those ordinances that pointed forward to Christ were no longer needed because now you have the reality. And so the shadow fades away, and here comes the reality. In other words, all these ordinances that you find uh, were temporary, pointing forward to the work and function of Jesus Christ. Now the question remains then, what law uh, is he referring to? Well, let's let's keep reading here. Look what he goes on to say in verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In other words, at the cross, right. Christ triumphed over the powers of darkness. Then he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are... A shadow of things to come. So these particular aspects of verse 16, these meat, drink, and holy days, and new moons, and the Sabbath days, these uh, are in direct reference to what he's just made reference to verse 14. Right. So they have to be an ordinances that were established by God dealing with meat and drink offerings and holy days and uh, new moons and Sabbath days. And which are they? In other words, what are they referring to? Well, if you go with me to Deuteronomy 31, yes. and this is the key here, and this is really where you need to look at, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, here you're going to find Moses laying out the very simple uh, concept regarding this, and this starts in verse 24. Now remember, these were ordinances that were against us. They were contrary to us. So here we find in Deuteronomy 31, verse 24, And it came to pass, 
when Moses had made an end of writing of the words of this law in a book, until he was finished, until they, excuse me, until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law, and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be therefore a witness against thee. Now notice clearly now, we find here which commandment is referred to that's regarding the nature of the, uh, uh, that was against us. Yes. This clearly describes the law that Moses wrote. Notice Moses wrote this law, not God. And by the way, just so the listeners can understand, God wrote the Ten Commandments not with his hand, but with his finger. He used this finger, and unlike the, uh, the law of Moses, this was written by the hand of Moses. Moses himself wrote this down. And uh, so this is a very different law. You see, yes. in Daniel chapter 9, verse 11, the, it speaks of two laws, God's law and the law of Moses. And so the law that was nailed to the cross uh, had to do with the ordinances that uh, were referring to the uh, sacrifices, the sanctuary service, the feast days, the ceremonial Sabbaths that were uh, like the Passover, etc. All of these were known as ceremonial feast days that uh, that God uh, equated to them like the Sabbath. Not that they were the Seventh-day Sabbath, but that they would be like them in some aspects. So Deuteronomy chapter 31 clearly indicates uh, what law was nailed to the cross. And it wasn't the Ten Commandments, and it wasn't the Seventh-day Sabbath. It was the ceremonial sacrifices that pointed forward to the coming of Christ. Yes. Amen to that. Well, thanks for sharing this point clearly to us and to the listeners of the Decado. And um, so, this being the case now, and from what we've established thus far, the question now, and still what some people ask, is why do we need to keep the Ten Commandments today? You know what? I'm going to read a statement from Charles Spurgeon. Let me read yes. you this. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, quote, and this is a, If you love God with, with all your heart, you must keep the first table, meaning the first table of the Ten Commandments. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you must keep the second table. And to me, this sums up the very essence of why we should keep it. In other words, right. Spurgeon understood that if we are going to love God and our fellow man, then the only way in which that could possibly be done is we must then obey what God requires, what God says, namely the Ten Commandments. Why? Because in the first table of, of the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are written. Now that has to do with your duty to God. In the second table of, of the Ten Commandments, uh, the last six commandments have to do with your duty with your fellow man. If you really love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, then you will keep the first four commandments. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will keep the last six commandments. The key factor here is love. See, let's let, let's go uh, to Matt, uh, John, excuse me, let's go to John 14. Yes. John 14, and here is a beautiful passage by Jesus Christ, 
and in and uh, the essence here to me really uh, spells out the reason why we should be keeping God's law today. And uh, as a matter of fact, this is the real reason why God's people keep it not only today, but have uh, has always been the principle throughout the ceaseless or uh, well, since the beginning of time. Um, he says this if. Uh, in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. So in other words, what's the driving force behind the keeping of the commandments? It's love. So why should we keep the commandments today? It is to demonstrate our love for God and our fellow man. Amen. It is to exemplify the virtues of, of God's character in our lives. Today, especially in this world, we are finding how many are lacking that experience and uh, sadly to say, uh, so many, even within Christianity, have uh, 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 abandoned the moral standard uh, of righteousness. You know, society used to call, uh, uh, used to say, you know, we have a moral code uh, in, yes. within society. Well, not, they don't even recognize any moral code. It's, uh, it's an amoral society we live in. Um, and frankly, my opinion, I think it's even worse than that. However, the, the real crux of the matter as to why we should be keeping God's commandments today is to glorify our Father who is in heaven, is to, uh, uh, to really demonstrate to the world what does it mean uh, to be a follower of Christ. And the essence of that comes down to what Jesus said, Spurgeon said, it's all about love. Yes. Amen to that. Elder Ricardo, we're going to have a break with some music and we'll come back and we'll round off the final thoughts. Thank you. 
the Ten Commandments abolished at the cross. Elder DiCarlo, final thoughts this evening. I'd like to actually close uh, our discussion with another quotation, but this one comes from John Calvin. And he said, quote, We must not imagine that the coming of Christ has freed us from the authority of the law. For it is the eternal rule of a devout and holy life and must therefore be as unchangeable as the justice of God, end of quote. I think that really sums up the essence of uh, regarding the Ten Commandments. It is the standard of morality. It is the uh, very um, code, as we say, the moral code of, of the character of God. And the reason society, sadly to say, is um, falling uh, by the wayside is because mankind has forsaken God's commandments. And we must do all that we can to encourage them to come back and to understand the sanctity of God's Ten Commandments. And I would have to agree with John Calvin, no doubt, that the Word of God, that God's Ten Commandments, is unchangeable. Amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo, thank you for those final thoughts. And would you mind praying as we close discussion this evening, please? Yes. Our Father in heaven, once again, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you and we're thankful for all that you have done for us. 
And this subject tonight is a very important one. We know that your law has been trampled in the dust by so many for so long. But we know, dear Lord, your law is just, true, and holy, and that it is eternal as the heavens. And we know, dear God, that through Christ our Lord you have vindicated the law and shown us all the very essence of what it means to keep your Ten Commandments. And God, I pray you will help each one of us not only to understand, but to truly obey and to exemplify those virtues that reflect your character, that we too may exalt the law and uh, have it written in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder DiCarlo, thank you once again for joining us on the Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944062786. If you live in the United Kingdom, Please contact us with your name and address, and we will send you a free tract called Were the Ten Commandments Abolished at the Cross? Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 78, sorry, chapter 78, you'll find the subject what was abolished by Christ. This will give you more information about today's topic. On next week's show, we will discuss the subject, Who does the Bible say God's people are? Well, that's it for tonight. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.